Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is bonus episode number 13. I have an awesome conversation for you guys in this episode. I talk with Josh O'Donnell, who is the front man of Banks Arcade. This is a band that absolutely needs to be on your fucking radar. Um, had a great time talking with him. Uh, they've got a brand new album coming out today, uh, as of the release of this episode, uh, July 29th, and that album is called Future Lovers. It is coming out via UNFD, um, and Josh and I talk a lot about kind of the development of their sound and this kind of evolution and, and the broadness that they have, you know, they don't fit in any genre box, um, when you really listen to them and it's intentional, but it's also authentic. And we talked a lot about the new album. Um, we talked about signing with UNFD and kind of everything that goes into, um, the freedom of creativity that UNFD allows their bands to have and things like that. Um, and yeah, just had a great time talking with him. Uh, huge shout out to him because he was, uh, at a job. So, um, took the time to still meet with me and take care of, you know, the, the interview. So this conversation, um, so yeah, let's just dive into this guys. This is my conversation with Josh O'Donnell of Banks Arcade. Um, so to kick off the episode, I do start with the same boring ass question every time. It's a simple introduction, man. Who are you? Uh, what do you do in the band and kind of why are we having this talk? So I'm Joshua from Banks Arcade. I do vocals and play guitar and li- largely write a lot of the content that we've got in the band. So yeah, just here to talk about the new album, Future Lovers, which we've got coming out in a few days. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so for people that aren't familiar with you guys yet, um, which in the States kind of feels that way, I don't I don't know that you guys have fully broken into the scene over here yet. Um, mm. And it, it's really interesting because... Like, you guys don't fit in a box, and I mean that in the best sort of way. Like, you guys have such a versatile sound that, like, I can't wrap my head around how you're not more popular over here in the States yet. I think it's a timing thing. Really, we haven't had we haven't had the push over there as much. We've only recently signed with UNFD, and I think with this album coming out and then what follows that album we'll definitely better gain some traction over there and we've got huge plans to to tour there so i'm actually an american citizen um i've got i've got an american passport and a new zealand passport so my dad's a kiwi and my mom's from the states so so yeah i'm definitely planning to get over there sometime next year and 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 start really breaking into it because i i grew up going to warp tour and going to shows at the masquerade in atlanta and like like oh being there so i've always wanted to go back and, and really start playing shows there yeah, that's sick, man. The Masquerade is like, it's an iconic venue at this point, right? Like, if you yes. made it to that level, like, it's that and then stadiums is what it really feels like. It is the launching stone into the next step. 100%. That was like where I, where I saw like my first gigs there. So, so yeah, be cool. be cool to play there one day. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, for people that aren't familiar with you guys let's be kind of a little back on the band you a number of different uh styles and it's all very intentional with you guys 
and it's all like super authentic. What's it been like, you know, taking all these different sounds and making them your own little segments? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think we all come from different musical backgrounds. We all have roots in heavy music. Like I think when, when, when we were younger, we would have probably hated the type of music that we all like now as adults because we were just like listening to heavy stuff. Um, but I definitely think, I definitely think that we've gone a lot of different directions. So I went very heavily into writing hip hop, playing that sort of music and, and living with producers and rappers who are making that stuff. So I, I fell in love with that genre and also learned about composing and making that sort of music separate to heavy music. Our drummer studied at jazz school during that whole period that I was doing that. So he was literally playing jazz. Our guitarist was playing in a deathcore band called Depths in New Zealand, who was like yeah. the biggest deathcore band over there. And um, he he was doing all that sort of that sort of stuff. So we, we, we come from all these different angles. And that's why I think that like when I'm writing, especially on this album, I just gave gave myself and the band the license to do whatever we felt like we wanted to do in a certain section and not think too much about whether it should or shouldn't work but just do it and then find out at the end whether or not it was whether or not it was a success or a failure yeah and i think that's a really cool way to approach writing music because like you know obviously for basic descriptive purposes we have to call you you know a, a rock band or a pop punk band or whatever yeah. but at the end of the day like nobody fits in those fucking boxes anymore and you shouldn't handcuff yourself into yeah. one of those not at all and it's it's i mean it's, it's almost becoming it's almost becoming a cliche to be like you can't put us in a box and i think nine times out of ten it's like yeah you can it's the metalcore band but um, I think that there's a lot of bands that are coming out now that are actually really like they're genuinely switching into songs that are so different. And I, 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 I feel like Future Lovers is is that like, like if you listen to one isolated song and you just said, what type of band is this? How do you imagine they look like? How do you imagine they dress? What, 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 what is your picture? Like if you play them the last song on the album, Wine, or if you just play them, Don't Start. And, uh, and ask them to write that bio and what they imagined that I, they would be two completely different bands. Yeah. At least if I, if I was the one doing it. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with that. And I think that's, again, the really cool thing about you guys because, like, it also opens you up for, you know, like we were just talking about getting out and doing tours and stuff. Now, like, you don't have to just tour with a metalcore band or whoever. Like, the, the door's open to just come over and fucking jump on tours and you know, hit anywhere that you can. Yeah. And that's definitely a dream for us. I mean, our first ever show that we played in New Zealand, we headlined and we had rappers opening the show. Like that's what it was yeah. from day one. And, and back then musically, we weren't really crossing those boundaries or we weren't really pushing past just a standard sort of metalcore EP. That's how we came out as a band inspired by North Lane and, and bands like that, that we listened to. But we were still very much immersed in like wanting to have that as a part of the band's lineage. And I think that by the time we started writing Fever Dreams, it started to seep in more. And then Future Lovers is where there's just straight up sections that are, yeah, that's just a that's just a hip hop track or that's the, the pop sensibilities sort of shine through a lot more than they have in the past. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that it's similar to kind of like what uh, Don Bracco's doing over in, yeah. in the UK. Like it's this 
cool just amalgamation of whatever feels right and sounds cool is what I'm going to do. Yeah, 100%. Now they're awesome. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, you guys have been around for a few years now and, you know, been able to, to kind of get your feet wet and then COVID hit, right? And shuts everything down. Um, being down on the islands, you know, if you will, between New Zealand and Australia and whatnot, like talk a little bit about the, the severity of those lockdowns and how that played a, a factor in like your mental health towards writing new records and things like that. Yeah, so the, the lockdowns in New Zealand, for context, were very, very hectic. I know that they've been different all around the world, but New Zealand had very strict policies around COVID from day one. And even through today, it's still affecting the way that people are doing things over there. And it definitely made things difficult. However, we, we were in Australia at the time and we moved back. And I think that it was a time of such chaos and uncertainty and that chaos and uncertainty bred a certain kind of motivation that I don't think that we had had before and a, and, a, and a certain kind of freedom, which was that we don't know what the fuck's going to happen in the world. Like we are literally living in some sort of fucking sci-fi movie. <laughs> we're going to go back home and start writing music. We don't even know if we're going to be on a stage again. We don't even know if anyone's going to listen to this. Like, what the fuck are we doing? That's kind of how it felt. But there was something about that that was freeing because it wasn't like, hey, we're this band that's just signed to a label or we're this band that's doing this, doing this. It was just the same thing that we'd always tried to do, but with this, with with no expectations of what was going to happen with it. And all we knew is that we were throwing absolutely everything that we had financially, emotionally. and And I think in terms of, the way that we saw this record or I'll speak for myself and say that the way that I saw it was definitely that if this didn't start to gain us some traction, that I didn't know if I was going to continue doing this. And I think that that was like, I've always been so resolved and and that I will always chase this with everything. No matter how many times I get knocked down, I'm going to keep going. And, and I, and I would have still had that in other areas, but in terms of this specific project, I was like, I've given so much to this and I, I had, all of these feelings inside of myself that this was going to not, not, not be this revolutionary album that changed everything, but that it was going to alert us to the industry in a significant way. And I thought if my intuition about that is wrong, then I'm off base here and I need to reset. And I think f uh, from what's happened since we wrote that and put it out into the world, I think that the intuition was right and it has alerted us to the industry and a lot, a lot more people are, are sort of on board for it. And and I think that, yeah, it definitely did what I expected it to do. And now, now it's going to be cool to see how fans react to it on a wider sense and, and, and what it sort of does, does for us. But I think, yeah, in terms of COVID, there was definitely all of the struggles. There was all of the, the, the mental health issues and, and things that everybody else dealt with. Like it was a brutal time for everyone. But I feel like we were lucky enough to be able to use that as a source of motivation and inspiration and 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 a way to to be free in our writing process i guess yeah yeah that's that's really cool because you know like it's so easy to get caught up in the negative side of what COVID did you know for everyone yeah. and then to be able to like you just said use it as kind of this fuel that like you know we're stuck but we're gonna pour our our souls into this and make a, a legitimate effort at it yeah and i think that there's this there's this thing that's been built into the DNA of this band, which is 
having a stoic and hard mentality to things that is like we we like the chase and we like having to having to push through adversity so when we get put in a situation where everything is fucked i feel like the band kind of comes alive and we always have and there's something about the whole world going to shit that like for me i was i, I had this i had this aspect of it where obviously i was i was i was sad and and i and i was very empathetic towards how much people were being affected by it and 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 what sort of situations people were put in but for me i was like right i'm not going to sit around i've i've got the opportunity i've got the energy so i'm going to use it and it definitely it definitely lit a fire lit a, lit a fire under the band yeah and I, I again i think that's super cool that you were able to transfer that into to this motivation um let's talk a little bit about Sorry, mate. I've just lost you there. Oh, did I lose you for a second? Yeah, you're you're back now. Okay. I just lost, but I didn't hear that question. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, so basically, what I what I was getting at before we get too deep into the album, let's talk a little bit about this uh, partnership with UNFD because um, a they're one of the most incredible record labels out in the industry right now. Um, yeah. And like, just kind of what what did those conversations look like, and you know the the relationship that they garner they're so genuine with their bands like what's that been like for you guys already yeah it's been awesome so obviously growing up we I, I, james and i were really good friends and and i met jason through the scene in, in new zealand as well and we definitely bonded over the love for bands like north lane and in hearts wake and and these bands are on the on the unfd roster even like architects and stuff like that the unfd had their hands in on that side of the world we kind of saw everything through that lens so to us it was like that's the label that's what we want to do coming up and i and i definitely think that to better get that opportunity the first time that we that we went to the unfd offices when we were living in melbourne before we'd gone back and this was like long before conversations of signing actually came to fruition but i remember going there and being like holy shit this is awesome that, that we get to even even be here and, and and now that we've got to know the label, we've got to know the people there and, and, and garnered a close relationship with them. I think that it's it's really good and they've been able to help us. Um, they've been able to help us a lot with what we're doing. And and yeah, like you said, they've got a they've got a very genuine relationship with their bands and, and the way that they present their bands. So so we're definitely happy with happy with the way that that's come together and, and also in partnership with our manager, Ryan. So Ryan he plays drums for funeral for a friend and he has been he's a massive part of the industry over in the uk he's managing well, it's just my favorite bands in the world right now are all on the same management roster so loathe and sleep token who are like the only heavy bands that i'm really really listening to at the moment um so it's awesome to be in company with bands like that and and to be a part of that sort of team yeah yeah no i think that's that's a awesome that you know you're connected with ryan because you're right the roster that that he's a part of with that is insane but um i think the cool thing with unfd you know i brag about them a lot because i've you know talked to a lot of their artists um but i really think that one of the things that they do so fucking well is just empower their bands to be themselves and like you you be yes. yourself and we'll figure out how to dial it up to 11 and get the biggest reach out of it we can 
Yes, and and that's that's a hundred percent correct. Like in the creative process, I can't imagine working with a label that wanted to have a lot of control over the music side of things and they've allowed us quite a lot of freedom like we came with the album completely done but but since then we've all we've already cracked into the second album and we've pretty much done with that already so and even just that process with them going back and forth it's like they'll kind of listen to something and you know there's always going to be differences maybe someone hears something and they're like oh i don't know about this but they're the type of people that if that if i showed them something and they said that and i explained myself they're gonna be like oh yeah cool well we're going to trust that you understand this and then the stuff that they're, they're good at, they'll do. And I think that, that that's one of the most important things in any creative process or any business process is realizing the talent that various members of a team might have and having enough respect for them to allow, to allow them to do that. And, and that takes place on an internal level within the band as well. Like I think the guys, especially through future lovers really trusted me with a lot of the writing and even, and even if they might not have liked a part or had this, they they, they were like, oh, I feel like Josh is, has an idea for this and a vision. And and much like that, like Jason has always been extremely instrumental in all of the developing of the tones and the sonics of the record. He he does all of that. So all of the guitar tones and and the bass tones and and even all the pre-production kind of mixing everything and getting getting that to town how we want to communicate that to engineers and it's been one of those things where sometimes i might not get what he's doing or it might not make sense but then i i have enough respect for him that i can just let him run with it and and you're right that them as a label they they're very good at doing that and and it's something that i think a lot of other labels could could take notes on <laughs> yeah yeah for sure and you know i don't i'm not going to name any labels or anything but i've talked to several artists where especially like their former labels it's like uh, you know, we wanted to do XYZ song, but label told us it didn't fit their vision for the band. And it's like, okay, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not the the label's band. Like, I'm going to be a band with or without the label. Exactly. I would not be a very fun person to work with if that was the case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, I mean, even if you took, like, the band thing out of it, like, for anyone listening to this, like, just if your employer could say, look... Uh, that's not the vision that we have for you. You're going to change your hair, this and this. Like, fuck no. Like, that's not me. I'm not going to do that. 100%. And, and you know, there's, there's, I think there's a difference between, like, creative input and having a say and trying to, like, put forward good ideas, which right. might genuinely be good. But once it starts to get to that controlling side, you know, I think of some of these artists in the more who are in the mainstream more that get picked up and are just, like, absolutely on a ball and chain in terms of what they can do. And I really feel for them because I can imagine that being smothering, especially when you're at a level where there's so much money and there's so much hype and fame, and yet you feel like you can't authentically express yourself. I can imagine that that would be fucking horrible. Yeah. You're just Sorry, out here. Oh, you're back. Sorry. You back? Yeah. Uh, I was saying basically you're, you're a show pony at that point, right? Like, mm-hmm. we're going to parade you out. You're going to do this little song and dance, and we're going to collect the money off of it. And it's like, but that's not what I want to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so let's dive into the album sub, man. So something I don't do anymore because I've done music journalism for a long-ass time. Uh, I don't ask the, like, super specifics of what a song's about simply because I don't want to take that meaning away from anybody. Um, right. But I do like to have kind of, like, 
the general idea and like talking about building song structures and especially album layouts. So I'm a firm believer that the first three to four times that you listen to an album, it's got to be front to back. That's the way it's intended to be heard. Um, that's the way the story flows, you know, whether there's an intentional story or not. Um, for you, how important is that, you know, especially as we come up on the release of this album, like ultimately do you care if they listen to it or just front to back where like, yeah, we put a lot of thought into this. Yeah. So I think it's very hard for people these days to consume large pieces of art because I feel like we're so used to little 30 second sound bites and, and quick clips of things that we've all become fucking just, just junkies for, for like little sugar highs of content. Right. Um, so like sitting down and listening to an album becomes hard. And, 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 and I think a lot of artists have almost lost faith in writing whole projects because they just think that, you know, it's the short little bangers. It's, that's all that matters. But I definitely think that it's coming back around and people are starting to want to have like a, a better relationship with a piece of art and, and listen to a whole album. And I've heard a I've heard the sentiment from a lot of people. I've heard it in some interviews that people are like, man, yeah, we want to listen to listen to whole albums again. And I think that it is important. Um, this, this album was initially crafted as a concept album. When I was writing the album, I was writing from the lens of it being a cohesive story from day one. And then I decided to kind of split from that narrative as the process unfolded and i get i guess i've still talked to everyone about it so it still is a part of the narrative but i'm not i'm not really telling the story how i would have told it had it been a concept album so i think the way that this album flows it definitely is a journey there's there's like lulls in the album that are very intentional and i don't think that any any song i mean obviously any artist is going to say this but from my perspective i don't think that any song on the album was written as a filler song i could have i could have seen any of them as singles and seen the album being taken in that direction and there was a lot of conversation and debate about what songs would be singles because of that so i think that listening to this album as a whole is definitely definitely really good and 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 it's how it it, it should be consumed but on the other on the other hand i definitely think that that, that these songs can and will stand on their own and that there will be a lot of people who don't like the album but love songs off the album. And I can imagine someone being like, man, this is one of my top 10 songs of the year, but I don't like your album. And I, and I expect that because, and that's just because of how eclectic it is and how different and, and the stuff that follows this, I think is a lot more cohesive. So if someone didn't like a song on the album, there's a chance that they would not like the rest of the album. If that makes, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that's a really cool way to look at it. And I, I love that you guys did it the way that you did um being so eclectic on kind of this you know this debut like this is the showcase of banks arcade and saying here's here's who we are here's a bunch of different shit we can do get ready you know like this isn't a one-trick pony yeah exactly and i didn't want to be i didn't want to be boxed in to one to one thing i want to have ultimate freedom to go in whatever direction that we want in the future so that if we release an album that sounds a certain way, people might love it, they might hate it, but they're not going to be surprised. Anyone that's listened to us in the past is going to be like, wait, what? These guys switched up their sound entirely? I hate you now. I wish you'd do this. And then it's like, you know, that that's, what's, that's what happens to all these bands that, that change their sound. And it, and it can be really hard to win over these fans who have fallen in love with a certain sound. I, I think it's 
fucking bullshit that people have this attitude because if bands aren't experimenting and trying new things then they're never going to progress and even if you don't like a sound and you fell in love with an old sound just leave them alone and let them do what they're trying to do because this is the only way that the that the genre is going to progress or the same album is just going to get released year after year after year and that sucks yeah yeah that's that's something i talk about a lot too is like the the people like you're saying that latch onto the one sound and it's like well you know here we are four albums later and they don't sound like that anymore and it's like well but they're also 10 years older you know what i mean like life has happened we've all matured and grown like why mm -hmm. do you still want the same thing that you loved in high school as a 30 year old adult like you shouldn't yeah. have those same problems anymore and it's just not going to be as good like you know if if north lane kept rewriting singularity they're not going to write a better singularity right. they wrote it it was done and it was great and it still is great. And if you want to listen to songs that sound like that, just go listen to it again and again and again. But it's not it's, its not going to get any better than that. And in fact, I was listening to an artist last night who was a rapper that I really liked. And I recognized something that they did, which is that they had a song that was massive that I fell in love with. And they've recently released a song because they've kind of gone off on this different path. And they've re recently released a song, which from my perspective was them trying to recreate what that was like i just, i was like oh i feel like i know what's going on here and it just didn't i was just like oh, i'd just rather listen to that song right and so yeah i'm a big fan of people pushing that that the boundaries and the envelope of what they are and what their sound is and i think that what we're going to see in the future is that bands with each release seeing a new look a new style a new sound this whole new package is what is what we're going to expect and yeah. and what we're gonna what we're gonna want from these bands really that's gonna become the new normal. Whereas in the past, I think it was, you know, this is this band, this is how they talk, this is how they dress, this is what they do, and that kind of carried through history. But I think I think that that that's gonna that that's gonna change, and it is changing. Yeah, I I totally agree. I actually just talked to um, Jacob of Thornhill not too long ago, and he was talking about that how like his vision for the band is that each album will be a slightly different aesthetic as they progress because they need to evolve themselves as well as their sound. They're, they're a perfect example of that, man. Like we just came off of a tour with them. Um, and where I watched them play every night, like, you know, to, to go out and stand in a noisy room and watch a band every single night after playing and being on the road all day and being exhausted, I think is a pretty big testament to how good that band is because, like most bands, I just wouldn't. I'd have watched them the first couple and be like, "Yeah, they're good. I'm going back to the green room for the rest of this tour." But this, this, this tour, we were literally out there every day, just watching it. And they've done something very unique and very awesome. I, I fucking love the album, and I love how everything is so cohesive. The way they move, the way they talk, the way they hold themselves is all in line with this, and it's all been thought out. It's very obvious yeah. from the outside that they've put a lot of time into thinking about every little detail of how they put themselves out to the world. And I think that that is a perfect example of what we're talking about. And I, th I think that you'll expect that band to continue to evolve and to continue to do things that, you know, will, will split their audience. But I think that it will always continue to gain them new audiences. And, and at the end of the day, people will go back and they'll look at their whole legacy and bands, you know, like them and, and other bands who are doing this, they'll look at a whole legacy of them and they'll be like, man, these guys were always trying to do something. They were always trying to 
to push this this envelope of of what their band was, and and that will be appreciated. Maybe maybe more so even in the future than it gets appreciated in the moment that it's happening. Yeah, yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And you know, something I've told you know, quote unquote, younger bands or whatever is like, you you can't be afraid to to make these changes if you're authentic with what you're making the changes about because the number of people that you're going to to potentially lose as a fan is going to be so small in comparison to the ones that you gain each time you make that next step. Yeah, exactly. And it's not and it's not like you I don't think you lose people as fans from the people are going to be like, "Oh, fuck these guys, I wish they did this." And then it's like, but then you know what? You'll just end up releasing something in the future and they'll still come back to it. If they if they really like something that you did, you'll end up having them come back around. And I think that yeah, I just think you should create what you want to create and if you can connect if you can connect with what you want to express, as an artist, I think that that's the most beautiful thing po- that can possibly happen. Like, better than being able to, if, if you, and then if you're able to do that, and then other people can also connect with it, you've hit the fucking jackpot. Because basically, now you, you're you're using it as a language. That's what music is. Music transcends the isolation of our conscious minds that we're locked in. We can never escape. You will always be you. You'll always see everything from your perspective. But then when you hear a song, you're able to connect to these abstract concepts and emotions that can't just so simply be put into spoken language. You're able to feel things and then be like, I've felt that before. And if you're, if you're able to feel that and express that authentically, that's all that matters. That's literally all that matters. Even if it fucking sounds like shit to everyone, that's just making art. And then if other people happen to like it and then it happens to grow, that's when you're you're having a unique experience that's, you know, I'm very thankful to be a part of that on, on this record. I, I can't really speak to the latter part of that, whether people are connecting with it yet because it's not all out. But I know that for, for myself that this is the first time that I've really felt 100% authentic and expressing what I want to express yeah. as opposed to trying to write for a sound. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, kind of to prove your point on the um, that you never really lose a fan type thing. I mean, you will, obviously, from time to time. But I've got a buddy that is a prime example of that, that we were just talking about a band the other day. And he's like, man, I love the first album, but everything they've put out since I haven't been into. It. And I'm like, but you're still checking them out every time they drop something new. So, like, you can't say you're not a fan because you're exactly. still looking. Exactly. So um, let's dive into the album some, man. So uh, Future Lovers uh, dropping on the 29th. Um, I haven't looked at the schedule. I'm going to try to get this up around the same time for you guys just because. Um, but, you've, you know, we've already said kind of this action-packed album. Um, a couple songs that I did definitely want to touch on and kind of get perspective for people uh, because mm. I think they – for me, they stood out when I was listening, especially like at work with it kind of playing in the background and doing doing the day job thing. Um, number one for me was Fake Your Death. Let's talk a little bit about building this song sonically because I think for me it was not the Future Lovers or Freaks wasn't good. It was just the first time I went, hold on, what the fuck is this? You know, like it it fully grabbed my attention to, to focus in. So I will say this. That reaction that you had was the exact same reaction that I had when I was writing Fake Your Death. So that moment of being like, hang on, what the fuck is this? What's what's happening right now? Yeah. 
I was in my room by myself really late at night writing Fake Your Death. And as you would know, Fake Your Death starts out as a song that is definitely nodding to bands like North Lane or those heavier bands that we listen to, even like the, the sort of older In Hearts Wake sort of vibe and and even Beartoothy kind of vocals and like heavy guitars but more downturn that's what the song was and then halfway through the song i was like what if i just switch the song right in the middle with no real care or concern for how it's gonna go into this part but just went like dropped it into a dropped it into a, a hip-hop beat with some 808s and just started fucking rapping over it and when i and i was like and at first it was almost like that idea came and i was like oh that seems a little bit ridiculous but then i did it and then I loved the way that it sounded. And that was the moment where I was like, okay, cool. We're going to write a whole album with this. Yeah. And so that Fake Your Death was actually the, the turning point for me being like, I want to just randomly have these switch ups and I want to do things that that you that is common. Like that's common in hip hop music to be listening to a song and then it just switch up. But it's it's not necessarily common in, in this genre. So I was like, oh, well, that, that's what we're going to start doing. And, and it became a kind of a staple on the record. So yeah, it's it's interesting that a lot of people have been speaking to that song. A lot of the reviews coming through are saying that that song should have been a single, and you know it was definitely a a thought. But if it wasn't a single, then people would have said the same thing about other songs on the record. So you know, I, I think it's I think I think personally, it's awesome to have some of those great tracks saved on a record so that people go and listen, and it's not just like oh we've heard all the good songs now let's listen to the five kind of shittier songs that didn't make it as singles yeah and I, I do think that that's the misconception a lot of times is that people like oh the the singles are the single because they're the best songs on the album and sometimes that's true but it's not always true it's like intentional with okay we're going to put out this single because it has this kind of sound and i want to hook that fan base but single number two is going to be in this other direction because i want to bring them in too and it's mm. it's really about trying to get as much eye and ears on the record as you possibly can. Yeah, and that that that's that's so true. I definitely think yeah, it's one of my favorite songs on the record as well. It does does mark a, a staple point in the in the journey of the record. Yeah, and yeah, it's just it's just fucking angry. Like it's got this it's got this vibe of sticking the knife in and twisting it. And I really like that. Like it's, it, it, yeah, it's just a, it's just a fucking angry song. <laughs> yeah, no, I, a hundred percent agree, man. Um, so then, just a, a couple tracks later, we've got Ether, which again I think was just a really cool, like, kind of get lost in the moment song. Mm. Yeah. So that song, that song's really interesting. I actually wrote that song in an airport. Like I wrote out this little like flute part which is kind of what ended up becoming the main section of it. And then I recorded all of the vocals into my laptop microphone. And that's what the demo was for ages, right up until the studio and we re-recorded the vocals. And I actually went back and listened to the original one the other day. And it's it's kind of funny how sometimes even a, a song that's so production heavy and 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 kind of was formed to be what it was through that, that like the actual riffs and things that exist in the song really carry it as well. Um, but yeah, it's definitely one of my favorites. And one of the guys that he's no longer in the band anymore, but he's still a really good friend of, of ours. And he worked through this album, which is Kenny. And he worked a lot on the production side and he did a lot of work on that track to really help flesh that out. And, and I think that it's, 
it, it, it's the sort of track that some people might see as like an interlude, but I don't really feel like it's like that. It, it definitely feels like a song just in a different kind of way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I would agree. I think it's, I don't want to, I, I don't like the word interlude for it. I agree with you. Like it's not a true interlude. I think it's kind of this, this moment on the album that's like, okay, stop, take a breath and like live for a minute and then let's get back into it. You know, it's not a, yeah. a full pause or cinematic interlude type of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, let, let's talk about, I'm going to tag team them. Uh, both of the singles, uh, be someone and, and used. I, I want to tag team them because I think that they kind of correct me if I'm wrong, but like from a storyline aspect, they kind of hook into each other uh, with the, the moment in that story. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting that you say that because I might not have said that myself, but it's definitely true. Like, as soon as you said that, my brain just kind of ran off and thought about it for a little bit and came back, and I was like, yeah, he's actually right. Um, both, of them are, both of them are expressing the same thing in a different way. I'd say one is from more of a empathetic and emotional reaction to this, to this feeling of longing, to this feeling of self-doubt to this description of chasing something that you care about deeply. And the other one has more of an aggressive and angry kind of take on that. And it shows the side of it. that's just like, fuck this. And, 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 and I think use kind of branches out and speaks to a wider sentiment that the world was having where it's like, everybody's stuck inside. Everybody's stuck on their phones, scrolling the fucking internet all day, looking at trash just sitting there bleeding out their ears and eyes and that was literally written after a day where i just sat on my phone all day like i literally just sat on my phone from the time i woke up until the evening and i and i think probably everyone in the world has had a day like this where they've just fucking sat at home during lockdown just scrolling and then being like fuck this and i literally threw my phone at the wall and i was so angry and i just i literally was like genuinely angry when I started writing that song. I was like hitting the keyboard to write that first like little like da, 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 da. Yeah. and I just like and the first thing I did when I grabbed the microphone was just like scream into it really angrily and those kind of screams are like um, laid all through the song. Right. Whereas yeah I guess Be Someone it, it speaks to the the journey of not just for creatives and people that are aspiring musicians but you know I've I've been really inspired by different athletes and different people who really strive to overcome adversity and make what they have in their head, make their dreams a reality and push through that to, to make something happen. And I think that there's a lot that comes with that. There's a lot of sacrifice. There's a lot of love lost, life lost and, and friends that, that, that part ways with you along the way when you're, when you're going down that kind of path. And I think that, yeah, that song speaks to that and both of the songs uniquely speak to the process of, of trying to be something and make something out of yourself. So, so yeah, I, I hope that people that are going through that process can listen to those songs and, and, re, and relate to them in a way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the next to last one, I'm going to have two more. So the next to last one that I wanted to touch on is um, don't start because again, this is that, we're starting to lead into the outro of the album. We're, we're three tracks away at this point. And I think it, 
whether it was intentional or not, the don't start, I think, was kind of this moment for me where I was like, like, I don't want this to end, but there's something building here to, like, really tie this off. Yeah, that's that's completely intentional. I think from Trip onwards, the album starts to kind of take a darker turn, like the darkest turn that yeah. the album does take. And then it obviously builds up to the end. And, and the intention was to definitely give that, no, 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 I don't want to end, I don't want this to end what's happening kind of feeling. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that, yeah, that's definitely a correct assessment <laughs> of what that was trying to do. Yeah. Uh, and then that obviously leads into medicine. And the reason I want to touch on medicine is because let's talk about the balls it takes to put out an eight minute track nowadays, man. Like you guys, yeah. you guys, Wait, is medicine eight minutes long. Medicine is eight minutes and 18 seconds, according to the call sheet. <laughs> Wait, what? Okay. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I did not know that it's eight minutes long. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, so let's talk about how big your balls are because who puts out an eight-minute song anymore, man? Wait, anyway, let me let me have a look. How big are my balls? Are? I didn't know how long the song. I didn't know how long the song was, man. Jesus, I, I'm sure that it's not that long, but I'm gonna believe you in this second, and I'm gonna check it right after this interview because I think it's like five minutes, but it is a long song. Um, the, the press release that I have in front of me lists it at eight minutes and eighteen seconds. Maybe whoever wrote the press release just doesn't like that song at all. So when they were listening, <laughs> they're like, oh, "That big fuck off long one at the end." Yeah. But no, it, it is definitely a long. It is definitely a really long song, and you know what? as I've been reading the interviews and things that have been, I mean, sorry, not the interviews, the reviews of the album that have been coming through, people seem to speak highly of all these different things, but no one's really given any love to medicine, um, which is interesting. I feel like it's going to be one that people come back to in time, but it is definitely, it was a song that was written probably the longest prior to the album. Like the, like it, it's the, been the longest standing song and it was actually written at a time when the band kind of wasn't a band and it wasn't even this, you know, that this lineup hadn't fully come together. It was actually pre-Fever Dreams, even wow. yeah. the, our last EP that, that that song was written. And it was written at a time where I didn't feel very hopeful about the journey that I was on with with music. And it was actually kind of like, you know, I want to I stop this. Like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm just sick of this shit. And I definitely had that kind of sentiment when writing that song and it was actually an interesting time because I had kind of written part of part of the um the bulk of it and and some of the lyrics and stuff and then Harlan came over here and it was actually the first time that me and him hung out properly our bass player and this was before he was even in the band but he we just kind of hung out one day he came over to my house and then we just started working on that song I think he he put some keys down and like did some stuff and then it kind of sat there and then it simmered away and then later on we ended up being at my house in new zealand and one and one of james's friends from jazz school who's like the craziest musician i've ever seen in my whole life in the flesh he's a piano prodigy that can literally just hear anything play it immediately and he he was there and we had his key, he had his keyboards and stuff and he just started playing a part which ended up on the final track and so it's it kind of went through this massive journey to to, to get to where it is now and I definitely think we all have a like a special relationship to that song so hopefully people can see the light on it over time yeah 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 I think that's um you know so it leads into the 
questions that I love asking when somebody drops a new album. So it's a two-part question, and that may be the answer for part of this. So question number one is, when this album drops, what song do you think people are going to gravitate to? And then the flip side of that question is, what song do you want them to gravitate to? Hmm. I think that people are going to gravitate towards Fake Your Death, largely. Fake Your Death and Freaks, I think people are really... Okay, let me say it this way. Listening to the album, I think it'll be Fake Your, Fake Your Death. Seeing us live, I think it's Freaks, because we've already played that live for a while, and I just know how people react to it. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, Fake Your Death and Freaks. But then in terms of what do I want them to gravitate towards, I think Wine is the song that I want. Wine is the song that I think that shows this side of this band, which is so different to everything else. And yeah, I don't know if it's just because I'm kind of sentimental about that one, but I definitely think that that's the song that I'd like to see people catch on to. Yeah, I I could see that. You know, I think for me, um, Wine is a kind of a sleeper track that I think it's going to grow on people. I think it's probably one of those that they have to hear it two or three times before they start yeah. absorbing the message. Um, yeah. But I think Smile might be up there, too, on the sleeper tracks. Um, yeah. Where, again, 100%. You know, a couple of listens, and they're going to be like, oh, this is the shit. Well, that's the thing. And that's the thing about picking singles for this record, where where my hand was in this debate is that I didn't want to build a picture of us that was like, okay, you click on this band, and you put them in this kind of metalcore group with all these other people, which is happening anyway. It all happened right. anyway because of, like, I mean, where we're coming out of, the label we're signed to, and the fact that that is still a pretty heavy influence in the music. But what I wanted was songs that kind of had the most diversity to be the, to be the singles so that if someone is to just click on a song that they get that. I think that what that has resulted in is maybe not the – the biggest pop ever that we could have gotten out of out of the singles. Like I, I definitely think that we could have done it in a different way and maybe gotten more of a groundswell behind behind the album prior to it coming out. But I, I don't think that that would have had the intended outcome, which is that I want people to perceive this as a very eclectic album where it takes all these twists and turns and I want people to be motivated to actually dive in deeper and to be unsure. I, I welcome that. I welcome people to, to hear it and kind of not know what they think about it and have to delve in a bit deeper and then decide whether or not they love it or hate it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think that that's what went into to direct the single choices and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And that's why I say that, like, for me, the first three or four times it needs to be front to back on an album because, like, the first times that surface listen, just kind of see – what you start vibing with or, you know, bobbing your head to what's drawing you in. And then listen number two and three is where you really start like intentionally listening to the songs and exploring that sound scape uh, mm -hmm. and whatnot. And then the fourth listen is I need the lyrics and I need to know what this message is. Yeah. And, and I mean, at the same time, like this album also isn't some crazy art piece, like fucking right. like it's not, not like a daughter's album or something like that, where it's like, it's, it's all crazy. It's literally just like, you know, if you used to listen to Metallica and then you listen to a bit of My Chemical Romance and now you listen to hip hop and pop music, you'll probably like this. And I feel like a lot of people followed that path. Um, yeah. So I, I think that this is just kind of all of it in one. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, it's funny you mentioned those bands specifically because that's literally my path. The first CD that I ever bought was Metallica's Black Album. 
That was the first yeah. one that I purchased myself. And then coming out of high school was when, um, oh, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge came out by Mike Hem. So then, like, yeah. I have that, you know, and then who didn't get into Eminem and, and hip-hop in yeah, general yeah. at that exactly. point. So, like, you literally just described my exact journey. And then, again, exactly. listening through your album, I'm like, yeah, this is this is where music needs to be. Yeah, 100%. I think that, I think, yeah, it's just a culmination of all of those things. And it's not trying to, like, be this crazy avant-garde thing that's not who we are but it's definitely just trying to draw from all those influences and put them in a put them in a blender yeah so uh kind of to to wrap us up here um we already kind of mentioned you know there's a second album kind of in the works um obviously we have no information as far as that what can you uh announce or tell about tours and things like that as the year kind of wraps up yeah, well, we're going back to New Zealand to do a headline run, which starts in about a week's time. Then we come back here to do a regional tour with In Hearts Wake, Red Hook, and Pride Lands, which goes for 60 days, and I think it's like 30 shows. It's a very big tour. Yeah. And then, yeah, we'll be cracking into more stuff at the end of the year. The album, the album that comes after this is pretty much done. I've just been saying that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I might get in trouble or something for it in the future, but 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 we were in the UK for a long time. And everyone knew that we were there. And they're like, "What were you doing?" Because we weren't playing shows the whole time. I'm like, well, we were recording it up, um, and it's it's awesome as well. And I and I and I kind of like, I don't know. I, I feel like part of what we are as a band, and part of the only the only thing that we really put out in terms of our message is find whatever it is that you love or whatever that that lights you up and makes you feel inspired and makes you feel like you're at home and where you're meant to be, find that and just pour every ounce of your fucking existence into it. And so anytime I'm putting stuff out there, anytime I'm saying anything on stage, it's only echoing that sentiment because I feel like if everyone in the world is to do that and find their calling and truly live it out, that so much of the shit that we see and so much of the bad things that happen wouldn't be happening because People would have better perspective. They would have a bridle on their ego that would help them to understand their place in the world more. And and they would have that sense of purpose. And I think so much of the mental health issues that we see, so many of the kind of toxic things that we see people doing come from a lack of purpose and, and a lack of a, a mission in this world to do something. We, when we see people that have, that have done that and chased it, they've it, it, it inspires us and it pushes us. So in terms of like how I communicate what we're doing, we're always moving towards the next thing. As soon as we finish one thing, we're on to the next thing. So as soon as we finish writing this album, we're already writing the second album. The second album's recorded and we've already started writing the third album. And 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 I think that that's what we want to put out there is find, find that thing that you love. This is what we love. It could be anything. It could be just being a good dad or being good at your job that other people might think is a shit job or like this, but, but you love it just do it and always find a way to push it to that next level and to, to, to keep a high, high work ethic with what you're doing. So that's what, that's what we're definitely trying to do. And, and in terms of what we'll be doing over the next two years is just staying on the road as much as possible. We just want to be playing shows every night and, um, and getting this music to as many people as possible. Yeah. I don't have a better question to follow that up with, man. That was, that was an awesome kind of outro for you. Um, I think that message is, you know, spot on with like, like you said, if everyone would focus on what they love versus all the negative shit in the world, like 
we could mm. be in such a different place and and that's a hundred percent true um so obviously i'll link all the socials but where can people find you online what's the best way to interact with you guys banks arcade on everything um so it's just yeah banks arcade banks arcade on instagram facebook and and we've got stuff up on our website and all that now and yeah like you said the album comes out in three days i believe so yep. so yeah everyone will be able to stream it on whatever platforms they have and and we've got all sorts of cool pre-orders that are still up on the on the unfd page and 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 little merch packs and stuff that are on 2400 so people can go check all that stuff out awesome man I appreciate it. I'm stoked for people to to check out this album and, you know, hopefully you'll get over to the States soon and we'll be able to, to link up and do something over here. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks a lot, brother. You have a good one. Thanks, man. You too. All right. See ya. See ya. And that was my conversation with Josh from Banks Arcade. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Again, huge shout out to him for taking the time to have that conversation with me. Um, during the episode, we did talk about a track um, called Medicine. Um, so the, the promo materials that I have listed at 8 minutes and 18 seconds long, uh, we did go back and double check, and that is incorrect. It uh, times out around the 5 minute mark. So um, still, a pretty lengthy song by today's standards. You know, most people are doing... Two and a half to three and a half minutes, absolute tops. Um, so I stand by my statement that, you know, they've got some balls pulling off a song that is that long uh, and, you know, is just an incredible piece of work. So, you know, as always, I'm going to have everything linked in the description of this podcast for their socials. Be sure that you jump over, follow them, subscribe, like, all that fun shit. Um and go stream the album. It is called Future Lovers. It is out now via UNFD. Um, you can find that on pretty much any streaming platform. So definitely want you to go do that. Uh, that's everything I've got for you guys on this episode. As always, remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.